Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Cut it out. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that's us. It's been a busy start to the week. Busy start to the week, indeed. But, Paul, wait one moment, please. As always, intro and outro music provided by... Oceans Over Airplanes, check them out over on OceansOverAirplanes.com. Make sure to give us a follow, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at so says J Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. So, as you already said, busy start to the week. We're checking in a little bit early because we're just so excited. So excited. <laughs> so to excited. Talk, to talk about the big news of the week. And Paul, what is that news? Um, we don't have a general manager anymore. We do not have a general manager anymore. Like I said, we were so excited to talk about this. Plus, we couldn't let all the other pods just have all the fun <laughs> jumping on it much quicker than we did. But hey, it's kind of par for the course for us. So Yeah, pretty much. Uh, as Paul alluded to, Ryan McDonough is no longer the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and I'd like to note that since separation of his employment with the team, if you will, the Suns are one and zero. Got that post GM bump. Got that post GM bump against the world preseason bump. champion Golden State Warriors. Gotta love it. Um, and and on top of that, we've also got all indications showing that James Jones, um, who's been tagged as the interim GM, may ultimately be the full time GM for the Phoenix Suns. What, where we're on, at on that. Where could that go wrong? And, right. <laughs> and what he's going to have on his plate as he steps in for McDonough. So initial impressions. Ryan McDonough, no longer the GM of the Phoenix Suns. I mean, initial impression obviously was shock. Because, I mean, there was no real kind of lead up to it. It just kind of came out of the blue. I, I, was, um, I was at home. I was actually coming home because I was dealing with some car trouble and had to stop in to change clothes. And I checked Twitter and I saw it and I immediately called you because this is something we needed to talk about. You did call me. And, and a, a, that was, I feel like, a lot of detail when you could have just said, you know, you, you we, we, didn't know, we didn't hear about how you had to come home to change your clothes and all that. But well, at any rate, you did call me. And by the way, when you called me, I immediately was like, oh, shit, what happened? <laughs> so I picked up the phone. Because I, I don't thank, call him much. Thank, I, I, don't remember, I don't remember the last time he called me. Thankful that nobody that we know no. was dead. Yeah. Uh, and 
like you, a you little bit surprised by this by this whole McDonough firing. I mean, just based on the timing alone. So yeah, but. it was it was definitely out of the blue. Um, I I wasn't able to really kind of dig into stuff because I was dealing with that car trouble, as I said, until a little bit later. So I kind of played catch up on a lot of it, whereas. I didn't think most of the rest of Suns Twitter and NBA Twitter in general was reacting in the moment. I kind of just was able to digest that over like the next couple hours once I was able to get back into it. Um, I mean, you know, there's two sides to the coin. I mean, one, and I think it's it has been discussed to death just from the standpoint of one, he McDonough kind of put him in himself in a position that he probably shouldn't ha- still have had the job as the Suns GM but at the same time was this really the best time to do it I mean when Sar- when Sarver was on Gambo or I almost said Gambo and Ash Burns and Gambo where do you get that from um I think it was mo- was that Monday or Tuesday Monday afternoon Monday um he said there's no real good time to um fire a GM which that makes sense I mean I understand that but I mean there's also there's no good good time but there are worse times, and going right into the season, probably not the best time. I mean, you're you let him make all of the decisions for the year, you know, and yeah, he was still working on getting a point guard, and yeah, he was struggling because obviously the Suns had not a lot of leverage in that, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Jimmy Butler situation was kind of holding up a lot of things because I know a lot of the teams that had potential trade pieces for to fill that point guard spot were teams who were potentially involved in that Jimmy Butler deal. So I could see that that might have been holding that up a little bit. So it just seemed like Sarver just got impatient. Maybe that um, blowout loss to Portland for whatever reason just kind of put, like, he snapped watching that game and just decided to pull the trigger. I mean, he seems to be a pretty impulsive guy from all accounts when it comes to this kind of stuff so um that's kind of where it stands for me justin that's all you have to say about that that's all i had to say about that okay um like i said earlier i was surprised when i heard it primarily just because of the timing aspect of it and it the the suns have to stop doing this head coach two games into the season gm not even quite to the end of the preseason, but regardless, after I kind of got over that aspect of it, just the what, why, why now, what happened, it makes sense. I mean, I, I'm not mad that he's he's fired, I guess right. you can say. And I've never been quiet about my uh, adoration for Ryan McDonough. I understand as a GM, he's had a number of shortcomings. He's put the team in situations that perhaps they didn't need to be in, but because of his mismanagement, mismanagement, his lack of interpersonal skills, yes, the ability to clearly, connect with uh, a human being, clearly, yeah, he's clearly lacking in, in that capacity. But at the same time, he leaves the Suns right now with a good young group of guys, a good right. young core of players, exactly, which is what we all wanted to have you know since you know the fat past few years while the suns have been tanking we've been right. hoping to climb up in the lottery and all of that but again take the bad with the good with mcdonough 
he still hasn't produced a winning team since that team that almost made the playoffs. Right. I mean, I think the only thing I can really couch with that is how much of his lack of production was Sarver not putting him in a good in a position to succeed, constantly changing his mandate of he wants to, the team to win now versus letting uh, McDonough um, fulfill his vision and whatnot, and that that constantly shifting of the goal over time just may may have caused for some of those sporadic moves, some of those. Um, trades or draft picks or whatnot I mean yes I'm not gonna lie McDonough did make some mistakes I mean the whole Dragic IT situation huge mistake um I'm for some reason blanking on other ones right now but I know there are others the Brandon Knight situation (laughs) that's a huge mistake Markeith Morris situation there you go huge mistake um but one thing I did want to kind of run through real quick because I think um, because the Suns are still it coming out of the rebuild, I think he kind of gets shit on a little bit for his draft, his drafting. Just because um, I mean, he took some swings, he took some risks, but I kind I took a look today and just really kind of ran down, starting from 2013 when McDonough came in, because that was the same time Sam Hankey came in. That was the start of the process for um for the 76ers and the Suns at the same time. If, I think we all remember the plan was for the Suns to kind of be in lockstep with the Sixers being the, they were the West coast version of the tank squad. And then they just happened to win that season, which kind of derailed things. So um, I just kind of went side by side year by year, just kind of looked at the drafts and just really kind of wanted to take it, take those two teams draft selections in because I kind of, I feel like, the McDonough's still getting shit on because they're still in the rebuild while the 76ers have kind of come out of the rebuild. So everybody has kind of brushed to the side all their misses. So just starting at the top, that 2013 year, the Suns dra- obviously drafted Alex Smith and Archie Goodwin, you know, those pillars of the Suns history, neither of which are still on the team. But at the same time, the 76ers brought in Nerlens Noel and Michael Carter-Williams. Also, not on their teams and across the board none of those guys have been have had stellar NBA careers at all one of them's not in the league and the other three are kind of just hanging on mm-hmm. a little bit uh, moving on to 2014 that's the first time uh, Philly really hit they got they got Joel Embiid who did end up being injured which actually probably helped their situation a little bit I think if Embiid had been healthy from jump they may be in a worse situation because their picks would have been worse the Suns, on the other hand, because they had had that successful season, they ended up with T.J. Warren as kind of the prize pick. Both guys still on the team. The Sixers also got Dario Saric this year who, or that year, who was who has been productive and helpful for their team. The rest of the Suns draft were not so great uh, with Tyler Ennis and Bogdan. So Philly clearly won that year. Um, are you all right, dude? I can't. I'm sorry. Your 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 breathing is getting so labored. <laughs> You're speaking so much, and all I could hear was you inhaling. My wheezing. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> my bad. Go on, go on. All right. So that break actually probably helped. That's what I was going for. You're welcome. Thank you. So we move on to 2015. That's the Devin Booker year. 
Philly drafted Jaleel Okafor, who, again, another player who's barely hanging on in the league at number three. So Suns clearly won out that year. Um, and even still, that was a huge miss on Philly's part because other players that they could have drafted with that pick, obviously Porzingis at four, Miles Turner, Booker, Terry Rozier. They're just a couple names of players that were drafted after Jaleel Okafor who are very productive in the league right now. So that was clearly a win for the Suns. Moving on to 16, clearly a win for Philly. Obviously, that was a Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris year. Chris is no longer around. Bender is... We're not sure if he's going to even be a rotation player at this point. And the Sixers obviously got Ben Simmons out of that. Again, injured player probably helped them along in their situation because it led into another high pick the following year. The other guys that Philly Philly got were very late in the draft, and none of them really mean anything. But one thing I do really want to point out about that draft year compared to the previous year where Philly really whiffed on Okafor – there really was nothing else in that draft after Bender and Chris. I mean, really, the best options were Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray, who legitimately probably is better than Bender and was drafted before Chris. And the the rookie of the year was Malcolm Brogdon, who wasn't even drafted till the second round. So, I mean, that draft was shit after the top three picks. So, I mean, McDonough took some swings, hopefully hitting on something, but at the same time, there's not really much production about that draft either. So I kind of, though Philly did win because obviously they had one of those top three picks, I don't really fault McDonough for that draft in any way. It just, it hurts in the moment. 2017, this one's really kind of a to-be-determined draft because the two main players for this are really, are Josh Jackson and Markel Fultz. Jackson's still a project. We're still trying to figure out He's shown a lot of good flashes, but he hasn't really brought it all together with consistency. And obviously, Marco Fultz had the shooting issues, so we're hoping he can actually be a player. And then we come to 2018, which I'm leaning is a Suns win just because the Suns had a number one pick and Philly didn't have a pick till 16 because of the Mikael Bridges trade. So the Suns are coming out with DeAndre Ayton, who has really shown some good things so far in preseason, really shown what those of us who were proponents of his drafting saw in him as a player. And Mikael Bridges, obviously he's injured right now, but he should be back, and hopefully we can get him into the rotation. Whereas Philly has Zaire Smith and Landry Shamay. At 16 and 26, Zaire's hurt. I think he's out for a significant amount of time. Is he out for the season? I don't believe it's for the season, but I believe it's for a big chunk of it. And Landry Chamez, I he scored one point in their last game. So that's the draft leading up till now, or the drafts for those two teams up till now. Um, the Suns have six of their 11 players drafted still on their team. Philly has eight. But granted, they had more picks in more recent years, so that kind of makes sense. Whereas the Suns had a few less picks. Philly had seven in the last three years. Suns only had five. So just from that standpoint, if the Suns had started their tanking in 13 the way the Sixers had, they may be in a better position. Because if you really push the timeline Back, the Philly started in 2013, didn't really get good till 2017. It took them five years to turn that around. So if the Suns really didn't start till 2015 
and that wasn't even really intended because they tried to win, but just because of a bunch of injuries, they ended up sucking and tanking, and they really went into tank mode. 2019 is really the year where they really should be starting to turn around. So from the standpoint of Sarver throwing in the towel with McDonough now, it's impulsive. It's He's so such a short-sighted move. It doesn't didn't allow McDonough to see his vision through. But then again, um, Sam Hinkie got thrown out a year before they really hit there too. So it kind of does really track the two teams in a ways. So 2019 is be a good year for the Suns. Maybe, maybe that's why Sarver did it. He was yeah. He was like, well, yeah. I got it. I, th- this is all falling into place perfectly. Now it's time. Now it's time for uh, the GM to go. Well, I mean, you see that in businesses all the time. You get the guy, the turnaround guy who like is good at the turnaround gets you clears out all the muck and gets you moving forward but he's not really the guy to propel you into the future so maybe James Jones is right and and we're we're in all likelihood <laughs> going to be finding that out um a couple things I I want to touch on in relation to what you had laid out and the first is just the overall idea of the rebuilding process that Philly went through being an, an analogy to what the Suns are going through just a couple of years pushed back. I think a lot of Suns fans recognize that. I mean, I know I do, I know you do, and I know a lot of folks that I speak to who are Suns fans do, uh, and I think it probably means the majority of Suns fans do. It, it, the one person who doesn't seem to get that, though, is Robert Sarver. I mean, like you said, McDonough and Sarver had come out and said this before, that they were going to aim for 2019, 2020 to be when the Suns are competitive again. Sarver said that in front of a group of season ticket holders, I want to say it was before last season. And to flip the switch in one year from saying, okay, 19 or 20, to saying, we're not doing enough now to win. Now is the time. The rebuild we is over. We have started playing with, games to see if the moves that were made actually worked. Right. And it is it is impulsive, and it it just I think is indicative of what Sarver is as as an owner, and that's just something we as Suns fans have to deal with. Because as Yay. much as everybody likes the Sarver out hashtag Sarver out thing, which I'm sure is going to come back now, yeah, uh, it, it's his team, and and we have to deal with it. And and the one thing that I don't doubt in Sarver is his commitment to wanting to win. So doesn't mean he's good at winning. You, you just kind of <laughs> hope at some point that means that he starts recognizing what he's to do. But at, at the same time, you know, we still do have a young roster. Maybe there is a move that James Jones will be able to pull off that McDonough wasn't able to pull off to land us a point guard. And we'll get into that more later. I just uh, but, hope we but, don't but end time up with Jerry tell. Jones. <laughs> like literally with Jerry, Jerry no, Jones? No, just like the NBA version of Jerry Jones. Like, I really want to win, but I want to be involved so much but i'm not actually good at that part but in your in your world would sarver actually name himself the gm like jerry jones he did for a year that's well that's and true hey, what do you do it again what do you do it again i don't think so i think that i i don't know i don't think he's that egotistical but he i think he involves himself enough that he can submarine sure and, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, you had, you had alluded earlier to the Portland game. I, I, 
it's got it's the point guard thing. I mean, that's really what it has to boil it down to. Uh, and Sarver said, I, I believe it was when he was on Burns and Gambo, he said, quote, it, it culminated where we were heading into the summer. That doesn't really make sense, but that's what the quote says. We discussed a number of opportunities I felt like were realistic in terms of what progress would look like. And ultimately for me, the rate of progress wasn't there where I thought it needed to be. That to me just screams point guard because he made, McDonough made other moves this summer, which people looked very highly on. The Ariza signing, veteran presence, guy can still play, obviously. He's been balling out recently. And it's a one-year deal that doesn't affect future cap space. Uh, drafting DeAndre Ayton was the deal for Mikhail Bridges, probably possibly an overpay, maybe, but we won't know because it's a draft pick that's a couple of years away still. So whatever. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, the one thing that was lacking was that point guard. So if, McD- if Sarver's saying it related to where we've been and where we're heading into the summer, then mm, it tells me that it's all about that one small aspect, which again, evidences Sarver's impulsiveness. But another way to look at it, though, is I'm wondering if it has to, it's a, it has to do with the Jimmy Butler situation in that we've been, the Suns have, for the last number of years, been looking for that James Harden type trade, that time where they can cash in their chips for that superstar. And they've had situations come up. There was a Kyrie trade the Kyrie deal that was potentially supposedly on the table of the number four pick and Eric blood. So there was, um, I think, um, there are a number of players that were, came up, uh, who, who just came up Kai, Kawhi, mm-hmm. who was there. Um, and now you have Jimmy Butler on the table. Who's arguably a superstar in the league. And maybe it's just like, he's like, we keep these players keep coming available and we're not in the conversation. Why are you not getting us in the conversation? And then, so it could be some of that, that he's just like, I, we may end up with Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is what I'm getting to. You, but you just, you, just, you just named three trade scenarios, complaining that the Suns aren't getting the conversation, citing all of them as ones where the Suns were in conversations. Right, but, okay, and they didn't involve close like the, deal. the three biggest trades. Okay, there you didn't, go. Didn't Thank close you. the deal. And that, that, just, cl- that, that clarification is yeah. much, much, much help. Sorry continue but so it could be that in conjunction with the point guard situation but it's like there's a there's a blue chip player on the market why are we because in this case we're really not in the conversation outside of maybe being peripherally why are we not in that conversation why are we not using our assets to acquire that proven superstar so are you saying that ryan mcdonough was fired because he wasn't aggressive enough in getting Jimmy Butler. Maybe. I'm just saying. You heard it here first, folks. I, I'm just. I guess it's I gotcha. all speculation gotcha. right now because everybody like. And it will the, the always be the, speculation. The timing of the point guard thing is because that seems a little bit more small potatoes to me. Of I mean, there's players out there. You can make a justification of why it hasn't happened in the short term. Like I said before, with regards to maybe the Jimmy Butler trade kind of holding up the situation. But again, it may be bigger than that. And obviously, it's a cum- it's a culmination of a number of things that I think I think um, McDonough was trying to stick to his plan and constantly butting heads with Sarver, who's trying to accelerate said plan. And at a certain point, Sarver, being the owner, 
was like, I'm sick of butting heads with you. Peace. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's all speculation and it will always be speculation. Until until something happens in the next week or two when we see, like, do we severely overpay for a point guard? Do we have Jimmy Butler? What happens? If we end up with Jimmy Butler in a week, I might actually turn in my son's fan card. (laughs) And I mean that. And I mean that, when I say I mean that, I mean I meant that in a very non-committal way, just for the record, <laughs> because I don't know that I could still, but regardless, regardless, uh, that I, I can't see that happening, so we're just going to not even talk about that. Let's, let's, let's move on, though, to the fact that the Suns are, in fact, 1-0 since the McDonough firing. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a fun game to watch, being that it was, granted, it was preseason, but it's, you know, it's against the defending champs, mm-hmm. so it's nice to see... The Suns stepping up, even with a depleted roster of the defending champs, you still have two form, two MVPs who are the guys playing on the court. Um, I mean, uh, Clay Thompson sat out, Iguodala sat out, Draymond Green sat out, but um, you know those two guys should have been able to run over the Suns by themselves, basically, and they didn't. Because they weren't there? Oh, you know, you're talking about the guys who are playing. Sorry. I was like, you went from very positive to very negative all of a sudden. No, yeah. Durant, Durant and Curry should yep. have been able to just kind of run over the Suns. Yeah, and, and not to go down that negative tangent, but they only played for 24 minutes each also. But let's, let's, let's just talk about the positives. And those positives were what we saw on the court from the Suns. Aiton had, while not his most impressive game, of the preseason so far, he had another solid game uh, with 17 points, uh, seven excuse me, 18 points, seven rebounds, uh, seven for 11 from the field. So high field goal percentage, like we're getting used to seeing from four him. So from the line. four or five from the line, couple steals and a block. And then we have a reason Anderson finally starting to seem like they're finding their stroke from three. Well, not just uh, a reason Anderson, the team as a whole kind of were, was at least hitting some. I'm a little I'm I'm a little more interested in a reason Anderson well, yeah. personally. And and really the the rest of the team, well, yeah, they were let's see 6 4 18. So, still better 30, than what they've been doing. 33% is a lot better than what they were doing, yeah. At any rate, uh Ariza went 4 for 8 from deep, Anderson went 4 for 7 from deep. Uh a little good and bad, I'll probably mostly bad. I think people will be seeing at least uh, Josh Jackson had enough, another rough game from the field, uh, only shooting three for 12, but had five assists. And the one thing that I continue to see with Jackson is this, uh, this connection, this chemistry that he has with DeAndre Ayton, because those two seem to find each other both ways, back and forth, uh, at the most opportune times. And I think as that chemistry continues to grow, it's going to be something that's going to be very exciting, very fun to watch as a Suns fan and be very productive for the team. I also like to see the the assisted turnover ratio was a lot better than in some previous games. I mean, granted, part of that might have been that some guys were finally starting to hit shots. But they had 29 assists as a team to only 17 turnovers. And like in particular, like Jackson was had five assists to only two turnovers. So that's really good to see. Um, like I said, it was a fun game to watch for the most part. Um, there was a ejection which there have been a handful of ejections in preseason it's preseason why are these ejections happening i know they're a little more stickler for the rules in preseason to kind of just kind of set a tone but the i feel like the the refs have been a little whistle happy particularly when it comes to the tax 
Steve Kerr got thrown out. I'm not entirely sure why um, uh, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant got their techs. I well, Steph Curry, Steph Curry's tech is the one that set off uh, Kerr, Steve, right? Yeah. But I don't really understand why Curry got his tech right. to set off Kerr, but well, it benefited the Suns. Right, and, and, and it was comedy gold. I, yeah, absolutely. It, it was amazing. I mean, because Kerr, once they started threatening, you could tell they started threatening that they were going to toss him. So then he said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get tossed. And he walked out there, and you could read his lips as he's yelling at the referee saying, I don't want to be here anyway, so thank you. No, thank you. And he's waving to them. It was amazing. Mike Brown was trying to, quote unquote, restrain him. And you could definitely see a few times Mike Brown kind of cracking a smile, if not trying to, yeah, if not trying, if not actually trying to hold in a laugh, because it was it was really a, a hilarious situation. You know, I'm I was thinking sure maybe the players were all laughing. Yeah, they absolutely were. Maybe that's why there are so many ejections right now. Maybe these players are doing the same thing. They're just not being as obvious about their just flat not wanting to be on the court in the game at that particular time as Steve Kerr was last. Well, night. I mean, Marcus Smart and. Markeith Morris got in a fight. Well, that'll do it too. Maybe they staged the fight. I don't know, Paul. Just a suggestion. Just saying. Uh, and you know the other thing too. Danthe Melton got got some run, scored eight points, got two rebounds in just eleven minutes. So yeah, you know, had a nice your, block. Your, your pick for starter, right? So yeah. Oh. Hey, I don't know, man. <laughs> I was taking a shot in the dark. Why not? You would have looked like a genius if it came. I would exactly. It was. It was a. Dragon Bender home, uh, home run swing that I whiffed on. Okay. <laughs> Just like Ryan McDonough did on Dragon okay. Bender. Oh, see, I, I was picturing Dragon Bender <laughs> playing baseball, and I'm no. like, I don't get what you're doing here. <laughs> All right, so it, it, nothing else from me, at least, really, on the on the game. Again, it's preseason. Yeah. It's nice to have basketball, but we're, we're about a week away from the start of the regular season, so yep. let's get jazzed for that. Um, and... Jumping off the game and kind of back into the whole GM situation, yeah. we've got James Jones, who, as we've already mentioned, is has already been named the interim GM, and reports coming out that the Suns are leaning towards the Suns. Sarver is leaning towards hiring him as as the full time GM as well. So, Paul, that leads me into a two part question for you. Okay. First part, they're really basically the same question. <laughs> First part, what do you think about uh, James Jones being named interim GM? And the second part, what do you think about James Jones possibly becoming the full-time GM? I mean, as interim GM, I mean, it makes sense. That's, he's the guy. He's the next guy in line. I think technically, if you were to look at a hierarchy of by titles, his title is actually technically higher than McDonough's. So it really makes sense as a VP of Basketball, basketball operations. operations taking over the GM duties when there's no longer a GM really makes sense. What, what about the assistant GM? Well, one of them was fired. One of them's still there. I'm one just saying, like, you think that guy's like, really? Come on. I think that guy's more. If everything I heard and read over the last day or so is that he's more of like a numbers cap mm-hmm. guy. Okay. He's not really like he's good at his assistant GM role because he's good at that piece of it. Got it. But running the whole shooting match is not really his thing. So that's where James Jones will kind of come in and kind of oversee that. So, I mean, it really, they've got a, I don't want to say they have a target on their back, but they have, they're under the gun to make a move of some type, it seems, because 
the impulsiveness of this move by Sarver leads us to believe that he wanted something done that wasn't getting done. So that something is probably going to get done and the Suns are going to lose that trade. They may make them better on the court, Mm -hmm. but whatever they have to give up to do it is going to be more than the production they're going to get on the court from, from that trade. So and that's what you think about him being the GM. <laughs> I, I I feel like he's um it, it's kind of, he's kind of been put in a little bit of a no win scenario right now. It's it's a little unfa- it's very unfair to him to be to be thrust into that position right now. Um, and then the idea of him becoming the GM long term. I mean, he's a very he's a very seems to be a very smart guy. He has really good player relations. And from everything I understand from him as a player and his last couple of years in the position that he's in now, but it's, it's he's only been out of the league for two years. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to be a GM. You know, we've seen this with fresh coaches, Jason Kidd, Derek Fisher, er, um, Earl, Watson. Earl Watson. These guys who come straight out of the league, they can't do it as coaches. I can't see it being much different with a GM. Espo actually put out there a little bit that he's he would he'd be fine with the move if a president of basketball operations was brought in who was more seasoned in that role to guide uh Jones through the process as he's kind of learning the ins and outs of being a GM and whatnot. Kind of, I guess, kind of in the Lon Babby role, but we saw how well that went. Granted, that was, I think, I want to say that was more of a Lance Blanks issue than a Lon Babby issue. That was, that was an everybody issue, but continue. Um, so, I mean, if that ends up happening, I think I'd be um, more inclined to be a proponent of the move. If it's just a, James Jones is just kind of now wears two hats or just it all gets merged into one and that's just kind of how it is I'll be I'm going to be nervous until it's proven that he can actually do the job all right that all makes good sense I'm gonna say in regard to both questions that I frankly and maybe this is just me relegating myself to something again but you know what i'm fine with james jones i like him whatever let's do it let's 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 roll like you pointed out we've got a guy who is very well respected in the league respected by players a smart guy who knows the game and ultimately i think really what's important there is that that clear ability he has to develop these interpersonal relationships which as we discussed ryan mcdonough clearly couldn't or wouldn't do Right, but then the question is, does he have the skills that McDonough did have? Of like that. Well, yeah, sure. That's what we're going to find out, obviously. Um, But in terms of the fact that he's only been out of the league for a couple of years, uh, you know, Steve Kerr got named the GM of the Suns. He'd only been in the league for four years. Uh, Had he only been out in the league for four years? That's what Wikipedia tells me. (laughs) He retired in two thousand three, and he took the Suns' job in 2007 okay so and then we recently just had in philadelphia elton brand named the gm there this is true and he's only been out of the league a few years now he was the gm for like their uh g league team or something last year but 
I can't imagine that that is exactly giving him a whole lot more prep for the NBA GM position than James Jones's job with the Suns when McDonough was still around. Seventy Sixers, uh, Phoenix Suns, like parallels just keep coming up. That's true. <laughs> it's getting kind of creepy, actually. It's isn't getting it? really kind of creepy. It's that Halloween season, man. Uh, just wait. We're gonna meet in the finals. And just like that'll be that'll be the end. I'll be all of it. Okay? Oh my god! Who really won twenty twenty finals? Suns. Suns. Sixers? Sixers, is that that's what we're calling? <laughs> that is the boldest prediction we've made yet, Paul. I did, you're the one who threw out the year. I don't know if I'll commit to that year. <laughs> I'm just throwing. I'm I'm, go, I'm I'm done. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm going to go to Vegas and put some money on that right now. Imagine the okay. future bet on that's got to be huge, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, but I I I just think that from the standpoint of being able to develop relationships, having a good reputation. In the league, which, again, McDonough doesn't really have, uh, nor does Sarver. So James Jones could be a good face when it comes to interacting with other teams. Uh, and, and a guy who obviously knows the game, knows players, has been around the league, won a lot in the league. Uh, I, I think if you're going to take a shot on a GM... and Not the worst and, guy to and, take a shot and, with. Yeah, exactly. And Sarver is going to impulse hire a GM or want to hire someone within, then... By all means, James Jones is the guy. And ultimately, we'll see. I mean, he has a young core. He has a good young group of players. He's set up well, yeah. He's set up well. He just fill that spot with the point guard, show some stuff this year, and then go into free agency and see what happens. Exactly. So (laughs) time will tell. Yeah. I mean, we can all sit here and judge right now, but ultimately we'll find out in a couple of years how we feel about James Jones as the Suns GM. Right. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing just is we went through this already. We went through the situation where somebody was was moved into a position where they may not have been ready for it, and then they were given the permanent position without doing proper due diligence. And then, and obviously I'm speaking to Earl Watson – and now we're going around and doing that again. I mean, it's like the definition I'm of insanity. my shoulders. It's the definition of insanity. Well, insane people are also geniuses sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and a broken clock is right Same twice a day. Thing. So maybe this will be Unless one of those military broken <laughs> clock incidents for... Uh, for Robert Sarver. Well, even if it's military time, then once. <laughs> Sarvers still do, right? Uh, so, yeah. We'll, again, we'll see what happens with, with him as the GM. But now He was right when he hired Steve Kerr and then everything after Right, that. there you go. Oh, shoot, so he's out of his... So hopefully it's on military time. All right. So you, you kind of got into this already, but so what do you see as being on James Jones's plate at this point? You obviously talked about something having to some shoe having to drop in terms of a roster move being made a trade being made uh anything beyond that any specific thoughts as to what that trade might ultimately be i know you referenced overpaying and whatnot but any other insight i mean i'm expecting the point the move to be a point guard just because it's the more safe like kind of move of like there's options out there i mean yeah there's gonna have to be an overpay of some kind because apparently the um the reports were that because all the teams knew that the position the Suns were in, they they were demanding an unprotected pick, and McDonough wasn't willing to give that up for like one year rentals. Mm-hmm. So which good on him. 
standing his ground on that, but that may mean that we're looking at this year, next year, some type of first round pick being thrown in a deal for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who who I do like as a player. I don't think he's worth an unprotected first round pick though. Mm -hmm. And that could be the situation we're in where it's clearly an overpay. But I, I think that the list of the guys who are, who are possibly available is the same list that we've talked about in the past. Sure. You know, looking into the future in terms of how James Jones might shake out as, as GM, one thing that comes to mind is, well, (laughs) how much autonomy is he going to have? Right. Obviously, Sarver is known as a control freak. He meddles in day-to-day operations of the team and whatnot, going as far down the line as who should be playing, what types of you know lineups they should be using, etc. And you kind of referenced this earlier with McDonough, and that is if Sarver keeps changing the vision or changing what he wants to happen and this GM's getting pulled in so many different ways and doesn't have the ability to get Sarver to kind of back off a little bit, then who's really the GM? It's, it's, it's Sarver at the end of the day. But I kind of wonder if there's perhaps going to be a different type, different level of respect, a different level of uh, autonomy that James Jones might even have um, with, with, even with Robert Sarver. I say that because of a few things. One being that it seems like they have a good relationship. Now that could be because Sarver has high respect for his opinion in both the basketball world, business world, whatever the case might be, or because James Jones just sucks up to Robert Sarver all the time. It's one of those two. I'm hoping it's the former and not the latter. But with that level of respect to the fact that Sarver's known Jones for so long, he really brought him in, I think, and I think everyone would agree, to, to groom him to become a GM in the league and in all likelihood with the Suns at some point. So maybe he's going to get a little bit more flexibility. He's not going to get pulled in all those different directions. But I think at the, at the end of the day, how good James Jones is going to be or how bad he's going to be as a GM uh, is is going to be in part dictated by how much it's actually him right. playing the GM role. <laughs> right. If Sarver continues to do what to he's be been doing, GM. and I'm I I'm by far I'm I'm far from excuse me a Sarver hater. In fact, right. I might be the one person that actually likes Robert Sarver. I understand his shortcomings, but he's I still not a GM. Don't mind him as an owner. I like him as an owner. He shouldn't be a GM. Exactly. So if Jones is basically just doing Sarver's bidding, then we know he's going to fail because Sarver has shown that he can't be a GM. If Jones gets to do his thing on his own, make the decisions that he thinks are the right decisions for the team, well, he still may fail, but at least in that regard, it's not it's, it's him on his own. Right. Um, but with, with his background, with his relationships around the league, I, I think he's going to be a successful GM. I just hope it happens while he's still the GM of the Suns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that seems to be the MO for a lot of it is guys come into the Suns, get run out, and then they're productive elsewhere. So, I mean, if you look back, even like you look back at that 2013 team, so many of those players are still productive players around the league. I mean, they weren't 
none of them are really stars outside of maybe Dragic and IT for that. Well, no, that was the 14 team. But that 13 team, it like, but they're all still really good players who are productive in the league outside of Miles Plumley. <laughs> oh, the Plumleys. How many of them are there? Like 70? I feel like there's Three like 70 of them. Four or miles okay we don't we don't need to do this we really don't need to do this okay so any final thoughts on on james jones on the mcdonough situation on anything the suns have been doing as of late um i'm just on pins and needles waiting for that woge bomb because you just know what's coming right that's really kind of where i stand with the whole thing right now yeah that makes sense and and i mean we can give Robert Sarver credit for one thing. As Suns fans, at least he's added a little bit more excitement to the preseason. Hey, we thought we were going to be sitting here having to watch, you know, six boring games of basketball before we got to the regular season. But Robert Sarver's like, hold my beer. Let's go ahead and spice things up for the Suns fans out there. So for that, Robert Sarver, we thank you. All right. Yes. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. I feel like we've covered what we can cover because... We go like months without doing one, and then we throw two out in a week. We're, yeah, we're, we're insane. I know. Well, I mean, a lot happened. A lot happened. That's true. So, uh, but but at any rate, we appreciate all of you out there listening. Let's all look forward to a an interesting and hopefully Stay successful sun season. And like I said at the beginning of the program, you can catch me on Twitter. So says Jay Paul at Dervish of World, and the pod is at Fanning the Flames and, or excuse me, Fan the Flames NBA. And as we always say in closing here, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. What's in the box? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.